yeah, just brainwash yourself into, into believing things. And you yeah. have to be a little careful because you obviously don't want to brainwash yourself into believing bad things. The wrong thing, right? Right. Okay. We are recording. Uh, I have on Aaron Simon from Freedom and Fulfillment. He started a blog primarily focused on spirituality and self-development. Um, and I'd just like to ask him some questions today about how he got started, where he found the motivation, and how he knew this was something that was important to get out to the world. So, Aaron, thank you for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Um, so, for this interview, I just wanted to get into uh, basically how you got started with Freedom and Fulfillment. So, if we could start. I know you already looked at the questions I had, but how did you get started with freedom and fulfillment? What was the big idea you had? Uh, what was going on in your life at the time that caused you to actually get started with this project and keep going with it? Uh, and then how did you know there was a market or a need of demand for this type of information out there? Uh, so I started freedom and fulfillment right about the time I finished university, which was the summer of 2014. And I'd sort of been, I'd read a lot of, personal development, self, self-improvement, self-help type material, been into that stuff for maybe five or six years or something by that point, yeah. um, since, since I was in my teens and I had, I, I, I felt like I'd solved some problems or, or, or fixed certain things that I didn't like about myself. And, um, it got to the point where I felt like I had something to share when it, when it came to that. So, and, you know, I figured some of these things were pretty common issues like, uh, procrastination, for example. Oh, yeah. I know, I know lots of people have problems with that. So, um, or self-discipline, like time management, things like that. Yeah. Uh, so self-esteem, like whatever. So, um, yeah, so I figured I, I got to the point where I felt like I, I had learned something and maybe I had a, a unique perspective on it that I could share with people. And once I finished university, I had time during that summer to set up the website and start writing and everything. So it, it kind of worked out with the, with the timing there. Okay. So this was after, so the biggest, like the first push for you was, I guess, after undergrad that summer, you were like, I'm going to commit to really making a push on this first like big blog, personal blog you put up. Yeah. I'd been thinking about it for a few years prior and I had heard about this idea of something called an email blog, which I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's popular now or what, but there was a, there was an online marketing type guy I was following at the time. And yeah. he, thought, he was always talking about email blog. And I thought I was thinking for probably a couple of years, at least like I need to start, got to start a blog. I got to start an email blog or something, but yeah, yeah. I just never got around to it during my, my undergrad because there's just too, too much other stuff going on. Too busy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And then, and, you know, I had a bunch of ideas written down, saved on my computer, like mm-hmm. half written articles and whatever yeah. uh, for a long, a long, long time. And then eventually like it finally kind of came together and I was, I was really able to start. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a big thing for people starting. They don't realize that a lot of times people that have found success have been scheming on something for years and years and years. So sure. by the time you did this freedom and fulfillment, how many ideas, like solid separate business plan ideas do you think you had written down in your, you know, whatever journal you were keeping during undergrad? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I had a huge number of separate ideas. I think it, it was more like I had... I had lots of ideas about things that I wanted to write about or I guess create content around. And I wasn't sure exactly the medium that I was going to try to express them through. And then that kind of like coagulated together and I settled on this, the blog medium to, to get the ideas out. Um, I had, I did try a little bit of affiliate marketing type Mm -hmm. stuff while I was at university, like really 
pretty unsuccessful, like small scale, <laughs> yeah. um, just like, you know, reading stuff online and trying to set up a basic website and yeah. ranking Google and whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've had similar, similar right. unsuccessful <laughs> attempts at affiliate marketing myself. Right. Yeah. Uh, good times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for, for freedom and fulfillment, um, it sounds like you pretty early on identify that you had a pretty big passion for writing. I mean, you say you tried affiliate marketing, but it doesn't sound like you're, like you mentioned, scheming all these different businesses. It sounds like you wanted to be a writer in some form for a while now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I, I guess uh, writing was kind of, had always been a strength of mine, like back even through high school, elementary school. And I was always the kind of kid who was good at English and not good at math and science basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a, to some extent, a natural strength. And then through university, uh, you know, you practice writing to a, a reasonable degree if you do an, an arts degree. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely a kind of, a kind of uh, feeling of like self-expression that comes out of writing for me. And I think lot, lots of people um, that's kind of addictive and it helps you practice and stick to it and everything. And um, it is, yeah, I don't know. In terms of it being like a medium for communication, it's kind of interesting one because you can really develop the ideas as deeply or as comprehensively as you want to before putting them out there. So, and I think part, part of, part of my personality likes that too, that aspect, like kind of almost being perfectionistic and maybe sometimes too perfectionistic about it. But um, you know, you can really wait until something you think something's perfect before publishing it, which isn't the case with audio or, or video or whatever. Yeah, you can fully flush it out and keep coming back and keep coming back and really just melding the idea. And it sure. looks like it looks like you've done that a lot. That was one interesting thing. I like to focus on the how people can get started aspect, but in your case, you have some really interesting topics. So I want to I want to ask you about one of those. So this was really really interesting. I was like, wow, this guy must have really thought a lot about this. Um, you had this this quote. I'm gonna read it real quick. Um, conscientiousness versus openness. In any case, what I found works best for managing high openness and high conscientiousness is very consciously cordoning off time to allow for total freedom and spontaneity within a broader orderly structure, compartmentalizing openness in such a way that it feels completely free and boundless while you're in it. But that if you zoom out a little, it's still clearly integrated into a broader system. That's very interesting thought. Um, that's some deep thinking on that topic of personality types. And I thought it was awesome because that's so true. Uh, some buddies that were entrepreneurs, were just, we were just having a discussion about one of my, my friends who hates to have structure but he realizes he needs it to accomplish things. And you, you talk about people with these two personality types. Can you give an example of how people that like to be free can set that up so that they can deal with their own openness and their personality, you know, as entrepreneurs? Sure. Yeah. So I think, I think you actually need a combination of both. You need some combination of both to really get anywhere because mm -hmm. well, particularly with entrepreneurship or any kind of creative endeavor, like you obviously need the, the creativity aspect to have original ideas and, um, think up, think things up, but then you need the conscientiousness side or like being orderly and kind of at least disciplined to some degree. Otherwise you'll just never get anything done. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a flip. And I mean, I think people who are really high in openness often have this problem where they're not, it's hard for them to create structure for themselves and it's hard for them to be disciplined and everything. Um, so, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if there's any like secret to it, to be honest. I think basic things like, um, like planning out your days, for example, like I just recently actually I've started using this 
uh, planning system called a bullet journal. And people can Google that or whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll link to it. Bullet journal. Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's just a setup. It's basically just a, a system for managing all of your tasks and uh, objectives. And there's a part of it that helps you plan out your day and plan out your month and everything. And when you get everything set up like that, um, it's a lot easier to kind of slot in the the different aspects of the creative work that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's one example. And then people that's a kind of a more macro scale time management um, system, I guess. And then there's sort of a more micro in the moment, like people have issues with self-discipline and actually just getting themselves to do stuff. Start. Yeah. Right. <laughs> which, which is maybe kind of, it's related, but like kind of a different issue. Yeah. Uh, and so then there's different, there's a book I can really highly recommend called self-discipline in 10 days. Okay. And I rec, I recommend this book to like literally everybody who, is that the one with the guy like running on the front, the yellow one? I think so. Yeah. The yellow yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. that helped me massively and I, I recommend it to everyone. So that's a good one for if you, if you just have trouble getting started or you're always procrastinating, you're always kind of doing stuff that to distract yourself that you don't really like. And then you feel bad about it after because you haven't done the things you know you need to do. Yeah. So that's a good one. Yeah. But again, I don't know if there's a, there's a secret to it. I think it's just slowly building up that, that conscientious side. And then like, like you said, uh, still leaving open space for the creativity to kind of flourish because you can't stifle it too much and getting that balance is, can be pretty difficult. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So an organizational system like a bullet journal and then kind of dealing with your own psychology, which is, I think that self-discipline on 10 bit days is mostly about that. Um, Mm -hmm. That's, that's some good advice. Um, so I want to go back to a little bit of the business stuff for people that just don't care about dealing with their own personality. Uh, so when you left college, it sounds like you made a real push for this site. You said you actually were up making what for whatever your expense levels were a full-time living. How long was that from the time where you said, I'm really going to work on this to making a full-time living? So what I did was... And like I, what happened with that? Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. So... I, uh, I moved to Southeast Asia fairly soon after I finished university. Like I think it was October of that same year. So, and the cost of living, and this was kind of a deliberate choice. The cost of living in Southeast Asia is really, really low. So I was able to survive there or like make enough money to live there and still have time to work on something like freedom of fulfillment, which wasn't generating any income at the time. So so that was part of it for sure. And then I was, uh, I did a, I did a whole mix of different things. Like I, like I said, I had tried out some affiliate marketing stuff. I experimented with different e-commerce business models, um, drop shipping, Amazon FBA. Yep. I did some freelancing, mostly writing, copywriting, okay. things like that. Yep. Uh, so it was kind of a mix, a mix of things. And then the fact that I was somewhere where it was really cheap to live meant that I could spend say half my time, directly making money and then half my time working on the longer term sort of passion project. Yeah. So out of, out of all those, cause that is a big mix, you know, like I've doing Amazon FBA, doing freelancing out of all those, while you were building up your blog, which was, you know, you were actually trying to put out really quality stuff. What was the, what was the, you say the, the one thing that worked out the best out of all those uh, side side things you had going on? The, the Amazon FBA initially, I tried it two times. Initially the first one was a total failure. And then 
I try, yeah, and then I tried it again with a different, the first one was with a friend and then I tried it again a second time with a, another friend and that one worked out. Uh, it, you know, it wasn't like mind blowingly successful, but it was reasonably successful. And the nice thing about that is once you get it set up, you can just really just leave it alone. And if you run out of products, you order more products. And um, I mean, the, the competitive landscape of the marketplace might change a little bit, but provided it doesn't change too much, like there's not really much upkeep you have to do. Yeah. So, so that one was, re- was reasonably successful. And then the freelance copywriting also, I was able to get pretty good rates after a while, uh, practicing copywriting, building up a kind of small portfolio and profile on a, a freelancing website and things like that. So I'd say those two were the, were the two most successful ones. Copywriting, freelance copywriting and FBA. Any courses you use for either of those? You do any, like any of the big FBA courses or any freelance courses? Yeah, I did. So I did courses, courses for both. I did the amazing selling machine for FBA. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I got a, a pirated version. I didn't pay. Most people do it for some reason. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. although I, to be honest, I, I don't, I haven't really kept up with the FBA space. I'm not sure how good of a choice that is for people now. I feel yeah. like it's, it's very saturated and that wave has kind of passed. Yeah, I think so. And then for copywriting, I did a course called Copy Hour, mm-hmm. which I would actually really highly recommend for anybody who's interested in, in learning copywriting. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a, I think, I think it's 60 days or something. I only did about 40 days, but basically the guy who runs the course will send you an email each day with a, an assignment. Yeah. And then you spend up to an hour each day, literally just copying out uh, a piece of successful copy. So yeah. ads, ads or sales letters or video scripts or whatever. I've heard else. so many copywriters say that's like one of right. the best ways to learn that. It's incredible. Yeah. It's like, yeah. honestly, it's like magic. I, I don't know how it works, <laughs> but, but you just do it. You just copy it out by hand and somehow yeah. it gets stuck in your brain and it, it actually affects your own writing. So that's wild. Yeah. I've heard a lot of marketers talk about that, but like now that you're telling me and you're not trying to sell me copywriting, I'm totally <laughs> right. sold. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Um, yeah, that's the thing that's really mind blowing and why I wanted to get into this. A lot of people don't know that you can literally, you know, get a course that will teach you how to get a different job and have that work for you in a matter of weeks, you know, and, and months as at worst case, if you're someone that really can apply yourself. So man, that's awesome that you did that in two cases. So, okay. You did that. That was a side hustle. You never wanted to be a full-time copywriter, Amazon seller. You want to do this blog. So you leave college, like, from the point where you leave college to where you feel comfortable with continuing working on your blog, how long would you say that was? Working on it full time or? Yeah, doing, working online full time where you were comfortable and you didn't feel like, I don't know if this is gonna work. How long, how long would you say it took you to get to that point? It probably took at least a year, I would say maybe a year and a half. Okay. I was for the first, I lived in Southeast Asia for something like a year and a half. And for the vast majority of that time, I was super strapped for cash. Like yeah. I was living like paycheck to paycheck, except I didn't have a regular paycheck. So I was like just scrounging money living off the bank account. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was poor even by Southeast, Southeast Asian standards. standards awesome. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and that was, I mean, I'm, I kind of have two minds about that. Like I, I feel like it was valuable to experience it. Yeah. Because once you experience that, it, it, it makes you, it gives you a really strong incentive to never want to 
be in that position again, basically. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it's, it's very possible. It was needlessly stressful. And I was just like, I wouldn't recommend people do that. I would recommend people have enough savings to feel comfortable or, you know, stay in their job and work on their business part-time or until it's at a certain level or something. Um, but, but anyway, yeah. So I would say it's about, it was probably about a year and a half. And then I remember, I remember the point actually where there was this, there was a shift from, from worrying about money, like almost all the time to not worrying about money anymore. And it was this enormous quality of life increase, like not having to worry about, you know, running a toothpaste because like you have to buy more toothpaste or something or something yeah. like that. Right. Um, yeah. to, to the point where like small purchases like that, or even medium purchases or whatever, just don't have to think about it. And that was just this huge, like this huge jump. Uh, so yeah, probably about a year and a half it took to, to get there. I think. Wow, you're gonna, I mean, that sounds like that would be worth it. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of people take a year and a half, two years to get comfortable in a new line of work, like a new profession. So being able to do that in your own terms certainly seems like a good bargain. But I do get what you mean about maybe plan better, like have enough to at least not live poor by Southeast Asian standards if you do move to Southeast Asia. Right, right. Yeah, it might have been longer, to be honest. Like, I don't, it might have been, it might have been closer to two years. I guess it really depends where you, where you uh, put the cutoff, but yeah, pro probably around a couple years, I would say. Okay. And then I know that you you mentioned you did a couple things. Is Freedom of Fulfillment your main job right now? Or do you still work on multiple things? I still work on multiple things. I kind of juggle a, a bunch of things. Yeah. I haven't actually been writing that much lately. lately. Yeah. I, I've, been, I've been really diving into cryptocurrency stuff. Yeah. So that's been taking up the majority of my time for the last, <laughs> the last few months. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like learning about technology, yeah. learning about how markets work and learning about trading, learning about investing in ICO projects, um, yeah. all, all this kind of stuff. So that's been my main focus really for the last, the last few months. And then I've also got some other projects I'm considering starting. Like I, I really want to do something in the psychedelic space. Yeah. So yeah. I'm playing around with ideas about what I might be able to do there. Yeah. And I saw you, you were, you were starting to write a lot about that too. And, um, which is interesting, but do you think, do you think you would be considering these projects if you weren't doing what you're doing now? Meaning if you left college and took a job, do you think you'd still be considering these things or like, how has that changed your life? Basically the decision you made to go to Southeast Asia, if it has. Yeah, I think it's changed it massively. I think the psychedelics I was, I was somewhat into already in college. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wasn't that, I'm not sure how much that got encouraged by the, I mean, I don't know. I feel like all these kind of like non-mainstream or alternative things kind of reinforce one another. Yeah. Especially when you, you know, when you end up being around people that are different, different from the, the mainstream in one way, they're likely to be different in many ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the cryptocurrency stuff for sure, like, I don't know if I ever would have even found out about cryptocurrency until, you know, until say last year, like last year it kind of went mainstream and it was all over the news and everything. Everybody, everybody found out about it, but yeah, I don't know if I would have found out about it before then had I not started the blog and gone this kind of alternative route. So I'm guessing like, did you have a lot of friends in like marketing or tech that, that were kind of into it? Yeah, I had, uh, 
yeah, pe- people I knew and then just resources that I was acquainted with that I maybe otherwise wouldn't have been like a podcast yeah. I, I listened to, for example, that was run by some uh, digital nomads or like location independent people. And they were talking, man, they were talking about Ethereum and stuff like back at the, I didn't, I wish I'd gotten in on it yeah. then, but, but you know, they were talking about Ethereum like before the Ethereum ICO or, or whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's so true. Actually, that the people interested in one thing that's, you know, alternative to the mainstream, definitely a lot of overlap with those groups that are enthusiastic about those things. That's very true in my experience. Um, so let's see, I have a couple more specific questions and then one more broad one, but um, one thing you mentioned that I thought was kind of interesting is you talked on your blog, you have an article about Jordan Peterson's self-authoring program. Uh, and you described the experience you went through talking about like what your future could be like if you didn't, you know, take care of what you wanted to take care of today or reach your goals as, as harrowing. Um, what did that, what did you gain from that experience? And what would you suggest for people if they maybe aren't going to go through this program? What kind of practice can they bring into their lives to maybe get some of the benefit of that program? Sure. So the, exercise you're referring to is basically imagine the worst possible future or mm-hmm. i think it was it's something like five years down the road mm-hmm. imagine if you started basically you started doing everything wrong yeah. and what would your life look like in five years so i think when i did this i was kind of i was probably in a maybe more negative state than i would have otherwise been which probably contributed to it being even even worse but yeah Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think most people would find if they kind of, if they really started to think about it and ask certain questions and let their mind like go down that, that route, they would come up with pretty horrifying scenarios. And, um, I don't know. I feel like that's the kind of, uh, if we, if, if there's two types of motivation, there's a pull motivation and and a push motivation. That's the push motivation, like, you know, getting away from that terrible scenario. So I, I think it can be valuable when, because when, if you sort of, if you, if you create that image, then it's going to be there in the back of your mind sometimes. And let's say you're going about your day and you get an urge to do something that, you know, you're, you shouldn't really do. Then that thing might pop up and you think, Oh, I better not do this because I'm going to be moving. I'm going to be moving a little closer to that, yeah. ter- that terrible scenario. Yeah. So I think it could be valuable for that for that reason, for sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if people don't want to do the full, I mean, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty open-ended as to how much you actually write. So mm-hmm. somebody could do it and just write a little bit for each section or whatever, or people could just do that exercise alone. That, that exercise where you just imagine your worst possible future and yeah. really get into it and freak themselves out and, yeah. and, then, and then avoid it <laughs> later. Yeah. I don't, well, I know, I know that a lot of people talk about that. I know Tony Robbins, a lot of his writing is, he talks about, you know, being motivated by pain and pleasure and picturing, he's real into that too. And a lot of his writing can picture the worst case, allowed to motivate you. Um, do you feel like you've used that before you, I know the program's pretty new, before you went through it, do you feel like you use that at all in any of the decisions you made in your past, like some of the more risky stuff you've done? Uh, do you mean, do you mean using that particular visualization or well, like when you did things like being so dedicated to starting, you know, your online presence, starting your business online with freedom of fulfillment, like throughout your life, have you already used that, that sort of motivation or have you always been more about just, you know, 
visualizing what you want and going after it. Yeah, I think I, I definitely have used that that type of motivation. I there's I think there's an old post of mine where I, I wrote about this, but um, in twelfth grade in English class, mm-hmm. we we read a story, a short story called A Little Cloud, and there's a character. The main character of that story is this kind of like timid, uh, hesitant guy who doesn't really like his life and it sort of just follows him out through throughout a day and it, it sort of gives you like a window into this guy's life yeah and he's got these clear problems with his personality that he never sorted out and now he's like got a family and stuck in the job he doesn't like and yeah he meets up with his other friend at a, at a bar and his other friend has been off traveling and seeing the world and having all these adventures and this guy's stuck in his little town and yeah, his, his, you know his his wife doesn't really like him, and he gets annoyed at his own baby, and yeah, uh, so all, all all these problems. And so after we read the story, I thought like, wow, if I don't address certain things about myself, then I'm gonna end up like this guy. And so that's that's an example of of what you described, like being being afraid of the bad scenario. Oh, so yeah, you've, if that was 12th grade, you've probably, you've had that in your mind, that kind of, maybe not specific for your life, but like in general, if you don't take care of things type scenario in your head for a while. Right. That's yeah. interesting. What's yeah. that book called? Uh, it's called A Little Cloud. It's a oh. short story by, I think it's by James Joyce. Um, it's huh. pretty, it's pretty short. It's like, I don't know, 20, probably 20 pages or something. Yeah. It sounds good though. It sounds, it sounds pretty impactful. It sounds like a good story. A Little Cloud. Okay. Um, well, asked you a lot of stuff about freedom and fulfillment. What would you, I know it seems like in your writing, you try to focus more on like, like I said, the spirituality end of things and personal development. But if you were having to pitch people on a path for how to get started, you know, being an online entrepreneur, um, I know you're still, you know, on that journey yourself, but you know, you have had some pretty good success. So what would you tell people would you tell, like in terms of getting a mentor, uh, you know, certain types of courses, I know they're changing all the time, uh, books, strategies, just, mental outlooks what what would you tell someone they want to do what you did they're maybe three or four years behind i think the first thing i would recommend to people is to try to go somewhere or be somewhere where you're around lots of people who are doing things that you want to do basically Mm -hmm. so there's i mean you you can definitely learn on your own and everybody should should learn on their own but there's a kind of learning i think you get when you're around even just one person, but particularly groups of people where everybody's let's, you know, let's say you want to start online business or whatever, go to go where everybody's running online businesses and you're just going to learn so much more quickly. And you know, that increases the chances you might meet a mentor, like you mentioned, and you're going to find those other resources through that community because people are going to recommend them to you. Just yeah. Getting, getting out there and, and talking to people and, I think finding it. So like one of the reasons uh, I went to Chiang Mai, that was the city in Thailand I was living oh, in. Oh yeah. 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 And Chiang Mai was sort of, I, I'm not sure if it's still like this, but it was like the hub for uh, digital nomads. In, yeah. And, and it might, it might still be, it's probably still one of the main hubs. So it was filled with mostly expats doing different sorts of online business. And there was a lot, a lot to learn there for sure. So yeah, that's probably my number one suggestion. Or, or for example, you know, if people want to go into the tech industry, like try to move somewhere where 
there's a huge amount of, of tech going on. Yeah. It just, it's, it's just like, it's a handicap basically if you're trying to be successful in an area and you're not in the place where that's really flourishing. So beyond that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's kind of hard to, I haven't totally figured this one out yet, but there's like, there's some, I think you can develop the skill of discerning which resources are good and which ones are not. And once you do that, it becomes a lot easier to learn things effectively because you can filter out resources that aren't helpful and filter in ones that are. So like before you mentioned not being sure about the copywriting thing because it just felt like it was people trying to market to you. Mm -hmm. And that's an, that's an example of discernment. It's like being able to tell when something is legitimate information, being able to tell when somebody's just trying to sell you something, being able to, cause it's, and, and, you know, it's often a mix of both, like how trustworthy is this person? What kind of communities online seem really genuinely useful? What kind of communities are just like delusional and have too much group thinks, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. like, I, again, I haven't, I haven't really figured this one out. Like, I don't know how to develop that skill, but I feel like if maybe if people think about it in those terms, like, how can I be sure that this is a good resource or what, what qualities or traits do good resources have versus bad ones, then, then it can be, I don't know, a lot easier to just to learn things quickly and, and effectively and learn the right things as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree. I, I totally agree about once you can do it, it becomes easier as well. Cause I know like for myself, you know, I spent a lot of time, uh, in, looking at fitness stuff when I was younger and, you know, my ability to discern yeah, yeah. that field, I could kind of translate that into, you know, Oh, is this guy probably focusing on some, uh, you know, arbitrary minutia he decided to pick to make himself look like an expert or is this actually quality information? Yeah. That's a great point. Wow. If you could figure that out, that'd be a great blog post. I would link to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'm working on Let it. Let me know if you figure that out. I would love it. Uh, yeah, that'd be like, you could sell that for a million dollars because that, I mean, if you can't discern resources, given that most people have to start with free resources on the internet, it's, it's definitely a, a, a slog through the mud, you know, for a long time. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So that, yeah. that's a great, that's a great piece of information. Well, that's going to be my last formal question. We'll cut it there. Cause that was such a high point. Um, is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Uh, nothing nothing comes to mind. Um, I, you know, I have a bit more time if you want to, if you want to keep talking or we can, we can cut it here. Um, no, I can go, I can go. Let me see. I have, I know I have some other ones for you here. Okay. Um, so this one, this is one that I had in my original set of questions. I'm not sure if you wanted to talk about this one, but well, let's go with the technical one first. So channels, have you experimented with any other channels besides just, uh, content for your blog? Have you ever tried uh, doing any, you know, promotions on, you know, I know that's like Google search. Have you tried anything on a Facebook page for freedom and fulfillment, an Instagram account, paid advertising, any other channels for freedom and fulfillment that have worked for you? To be honest, I have not really. The, mm -hmm. the one I've probably, well, definitely the one I spend the most time on is Twitter, whether okay. that's, whether that's actually a good thing or not. <laughs> I don't know. You have to find um, out. Yeah. yeah but I do. I do. I, I mean, Twitter, I think does have some, some pretty big benefits to it. Just the fact that you can actually communicate directly with almost anybody. Well, anybody who has a Twitter account, at least in theory. Um, and you can kind of get this multiple, 
multiplying effect where if you all, like all you need is one big account basically to, to retweet something or to like your content. And if they're willing to spread it for you, you can reach a, a large audience fairly quickly. Mm. Um, but in terms of, yeah, the other platforms I haven't used massively. I mean, I, I have a few videos on YouTube, uh, and I might, I might do some more of that in the future. I'm not sure. Okay. Instagram, like not really. I just never really, never really got into it. I feel yeah. like different, different personalities are, are better or worse suited for different kinds of platforms. Like some yeah. people want to be putting out con- content constantly and they want to, you know, like sort of scale every aspect of their life. And yeah. for people like that, Instagram is great because you just take pictures of everything you're Constantly. doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, YouTube is good for people who like talking or, uh, like video editing or whatever. So, um, yeah, but I, I do think, I do think those are the main, like if I were to suggest to somebody now, I would probably say start a, try to build up a falling on a social media platform or do video or audio. Like I probably wouldn't recommend people start a blog in 2018 yeah. Um, that wave is kind of, I mean, I was probably even on the, the end of that wave. So yeah. certainly now it's like difficult. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. To, to say the least. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, definitely. If that's the only channel. Um, okay. Another one that I had originally was you write a lot about, you have an article about why you should choose your beliefs. Um, maybe you can tie this into like what you were saying about, you know, you want to start freedom of fulfillment and you want out to Southeast Asia to be around people or to be around groups that had that, those same beliefs. But like, how do you, what are some beliefs that you've chosen to believe? And how do you suggest people look at that? Like giving themselves beliefs. I know a lot of people think like, well, this is what I believe and there's, there's no way to believe anything else, but what would you suggest to those people? That's an interesting question. So I think people, I think the first step to that is, examining your beliefs really closely and there's different there's probably a lot of different techniques for how to do this but there's something called belief reporting that that people can look into if they're interested but there's also just a kind of really almost basic introspection technique like where you just do a kind of a question and answer with yourself where you you just keep asking yourself why why do I believe this? And you kind of like dig down the reasoning hole and yeah. figure out like what's really at the bottom of the belief. Uh, but, but I think, I don't know if we want to frame it sort of like if, if your beliefs are the, the most fundamental thing and then everything else emerges out of that, like thoughts emerge out of that and then behaviors emerge out of that, then it makes sense to try to try to operate on that deepest level if you if if possible so um i feel like if you can dig if you can sort of dig down and and get to the bottom of the root of the beliefs and then um once you identify them it makes it easier to to alter them if you want to and then in terms of doing that specifically i mean i think once you get I don't know. That's a pretty tough one. I think um, you can actually, so I I think you can actually kind of brainwash yourself and this is, this is like maybe overlooked by a lot of people, but 
you can really, but that does happen, right? It's like, it's like conditioning or just repetition or you start to believe something and then you see it play out in your life and that makes you believe it more. And there's just this cycle. So yeah, yeah I don't know. I guess just, Hmm. Awesome. I don't know. I don't know if I have a, I have a better answer than that. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to totally title this video, how to brainwash yourself to success now. I love it. Uh, so that, no, I totally agree. Cause you, you really can. And you know, most, I think most of us are brainwashed all the time, but it's usually passive. So I think taking an active role in brainwashing yourself is great. Uh, I mean, it sounds like that's what you're kind of suggesting with the being around people that think what you think it's, it's like, yeah, I think it's much harder to do something or get out of your normal behavior if you're in the wrong environment. So it sounds like that thing with moving to Chiang Mai for you, it did, did help out quite a bit. I mean, that's like, if you're ever going to brainwash yourself to be a digital nomad or, you know, online entrepreneur, we're, we're better to do it than Chiang Mai. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it, and just the, the fact of being around a bunch, like, you know, it can be hard for, I think it probably, it def probably was for me and it's hard for people to really imagine themselves like in the place that they want to get to maybe. But then if you're suddenly around all these other people who are, right in that place and you're just seeing it every day it's like oh this seems way more attainable now yeah it becomes it becomes like almost a new normal in a way right right uh, even if you're just around it um that's awesome any parting words i'm gonna have to cut it soon because i may lose this room uh any parting words for people online anything else you'd like to leave them with i would recommend people practice meditation probably or at least try it and, and try it for say a month before you write it off as not being useful or not being for you or something. I, I really think meditation is just like a super fundamental and kind of catch all that's just going to help everything else that you do, like whatever else you're trying to do. Um, very, very high likelihood that meditation will, will help in some way. So I think that'd be my, my parting. That's an awesome one. I totally, I totally agree. I wouldn't have thought of it right now. Totally, hundred percent agree. Great. Well, we can. I'm gonna cut the recording and we can talk after. Cool. Uh, thank you for coming on and talking to everyone. That's awesome information you provided for free. It's really awesome. So I'm gonna cut that and then we can chat.